0: smartcast you are listening to health shots brought to you by hd smartcast
1: pregnancy and parenthood these are the two choices we make for life for some of us it's a smooth ride for the rest of us it's sometimes even difficult to just begin regardless we find it worth our while so much so that we opt for all kinds of fertility treatments one of the most notable being IVF so to make it a little easier at least at the beginning we bring to you this podcast Ask the IVF Expert is brought to you by Parents of Fertility, powered by Merck. I'm your host, Deepti Ahuja, and I will interview IVF experts from all over India to cover all sorts of questions you, my dear would-be parent, might have in mind. So, are you ready to embark on your parenthood journey with fertility experts? Here we go. Remember that episode in Friends where Rachel had just had her baby shower and she realizes that she knew everything about being pregnant but had no clue about raising her baby? (laughs) Well, that apparently happens to most would-be parents. They often get so caught up in the entire IVF process courtesy the stress, the success rate, etc. that they don't even think about what will happen or should happen after a successful procedure. Until someone asks, what they'd like to do with their remaining embryos and this is what this episode is all about to lend his expertise and over 30 years of experience we have with us dr anurad malpani director of malpani infertility clinic mumbai hi dr anurad how are you
0: very excited to be here you know i have this concept what we call information therapy where we Mm. think patients should become experts on their problems and I love the idea of this podcast where patients have so many questions but doctors don't often have the time or the inclination to answer these questions and the podcast is a great channel for busting all these myths so more than happy to answer your questions roll away
1: thank you and that's such lovely validation I must say Um, So let's start. Um, Let's say a couple has had an IVF baby. What are the options for the remaining embryos?
0: Okay, so let's backtrack a little bit. What typically happens in an IVF cycle is we help the patient to grow lots of eggs. So we have lots of embryos. Hmm. Now you're not going to dunk all these embryos back into the uterus. Hmm. Ideally, you want to just transfer one single embryo into the uterus. Hmm. What's called a single embryo transfer. So we always tell patients have as many babies as you like, but one at a time. It's Hmm. actually not a good idea even to have twins because of the risk of prematurity and then, you know, long-term problems. Hmm. So if for example, a patient has five embryos, which are top quality, you transfer one, you freeze the rest. The beauty is you're not throwing anything away. And the pregnancy rates with these frozen embryos are so good that we tell patients, fine, you had one or you may or may not get pregnant. Keep the rest for yourself so that in case the first cycle fails, you can use your embryos for your second cycle, which is much less expensive. And in case you do get pregnant, you can use your spare embryos for your second baby. Because mm-hmm. honestly, you know, once people have had one baby, they realize it's so much fun that they come back for their second one fairly quickly. Yeah. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing, Dipti. Uh-huh. When they come for the first consultation, first thing they say, Dr. Saab, I got one I will not want anything from uh-huh. And once their baby is two years old, they come back with this sheepish grin and say, Doc, you know,
1: I'm
0: Icar. having... Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, yeah, you don't need to be embarrassed. You're obviously a great parent.
1: Mm. You're having such a
0: good time. So more than happy to help you.
1: Yeah. No one can have just one tongue-tongue, you know? <laughs> true, true. So let's say they want to save the embryos for later. How can they go about it?
0: So I think this is one of the major advantages in IVF technology. What's called freezing, the fancy word for which is cryopreservation. Hmm. In the past, we would, we've been freezing for many years. People hmm. freeze, let's say, sperms for many years. People hmm. froze embryos. But the technology for freezing embryos wasn't very great. As a result of which, a oh. lot of these frozen embryos would die. They wouldn't survive very well. Hmm. These days, the technology for freezing is something called vitrification fancy Mm -hmm. word basically it's called fast freezing which means you take the embryo right from 37 degrees where it is in the incubator all the way to minus 196 in a few microseconds wow is right you know (laughs) uh, this is not like putting a tomato in a fridge Huh. Uh, the reason I'm telling you that is people always think in tomato fridge, mein frozen tomato fresh tomatoes, to basa ho gaya mm. ho gaya So mm. they always have these myths about frozen embryos not being as good as fresh embryos. Mm. Actually, frozen embryos, pregnancy rates are even better than with fresh embryos if it's done oh. in a good clinic. Because the technology is so good that literally 100% of these embryos in a good clinic will survive. As a result of which we tell patients, every embryo is worth its weight in gold. And if you get a bonus, you have extra embryos, please freeze them. What to do with them is something which you can always decide down the road.
1: Right. Interesting. So, uh, see, we have heard of cryopreservation, we've heard of these techniques, uh, but these are more to do with, you know, global techniques. I don't know how cost effective they are in India, how, how efficient, I mean, you've already said that they're efficient, but I don't know how efficient they are in India, how cost effective they are in India and can cryopreserved embryos remain on ice indefinitely? That's also something that, you know, we'd really like to know.
0: Sure. So again, these are not ice. This is liquid nitrogen. That's Mm -hmm. minus 196. And the reason they can remain indefinitely at minus 196 is that all metabolic activity is suspended. And because it's suspended, it's literally each embryo in liquid nitrogen is like sleeping beauty until Mm -hmm. Prince Charming comes and kisses him or her. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right, I'm uh,
0: being politically correct, right? Uh, sorry. Uh, You're also uh, being
1: very uh, empathetic. Thank <laughs> you.
0: No, but, but you know, honestly, those embryos are going to be absolutely fine. So what I tell patients is, you are now 30, you may become 35, but that embryo will remain young forever. So effectively, if they transfer this frozen embryo after five years, mm. you'll have two kids, which are in one sense siblings. One is five years, but in one sense, they're actually twins, not identical oh, yeah. twins. But yeah. they were both created at the same time. Yeah. Coming back to your question, there are some great IVF clinics in the, India. Mm-hmm. And there are some terrible IVF clinics in India. And I think mm-hmm. that's true across the board, not just for IVF clinics, but for pretty much everything. And again, that's why it's so important that patients learn to ask these questions to the clinic. Mm-hmm. How do you freeze embryos? What technology do you use? How good is your survival rate? Mm-hmm. Of course, part of the problem is clinics don't always say the truth which is a bit of a problem for patients. It's kind of hard to dig in and find out. But I think the squeaky wheel gets the grease so that if patients are willing to do their homework and ask intelligent questions, they will get the right answers. And that's why it's so important. I always tell patients, don't leave everything up to God. Don't leave everything up to the doctor. Not all IVF clinics are created equal. And the more the homework you do, the less your anxiety levels will be and the better your expectations of the treatment will be. So mm. that's the most important variable, honestly.
1: I guess this is a form of homework. This podcast itself is a form of homework for all the would-be uh, parents who are going to try IVF. It's
0: such uh, valuable homework. I mean,
1: you
0: know, yeah, will get eight marks in a and This is something which affects the rest of your life. That's true. And if you burn your fingers mm. once, the trouble is, you're not going to trust any doctor. Because right. sub doctor sub doctor. Everyone Why would your trust levels increase? And that's actually bad for all good IVF clinics. Because that's once right. a patient has had an experience with a bad IVF clinic, they just refuse to go to another IVF clinic. And that's really terrible.
1: That's actually a, a bad situation for everyone. For the couples also. And for the IVF clinics also. It's just a bad it's, situation for it's, everybody. It's good
0: for the bad IVF clinics though. They make the money on the first cycle and they don't really care about a second cycle because honestly, that's a lot of these things are very, very short term and that, yeah. that, that breaks my heart. That's you know, true. But,
1: but say, for example, you know, we, let's just concentrate on the good ones and uh, I would really like to know uh, the cost effectiveness of this preservation.
0: I mean, like I said, that's a no-brainer. Remember, if, for example, you don't preserve your embryos hmm. and your first cycle fails, hmm. and the reality is the IVF success rate is not 100%, of the odds of failure are always going to be higher. And if you don't freeze your embryos and you have to start a second fresh cycle, You have to take all the injections all over again, go through the procedure all over again. None of which is fun. Whereas once you've frozen your embryos, the second cycle is much easier. You don't need to take injections. You just need to come back for the transfer. So all the doctor needs to do is take your frozen embryo back put it at 37 degrees, that's called thawing the frozen embryos and transferring them into the uterus, which is much easier for the patient, much more convenient, much fewer scans required, much easier for the doctor. And the success rates are as good as with a fresh embryo, so it's much more cost-effective.
1: Is this uh, what is called uh, frozen embryo transfer, FET, is this what it's called?
0: Perfect. What does that mean? That means you have an embryo which is frozen at minus 196 You can't put this embryo directly in the uterus, Mm -hmm. which is why the laboratory now has to complete the second leg of the process. So the first leg of the process, which is the freezing or the cryopreservation, takes the embryo from 37 degrees, which is your body temperature at the incubator, to Mm -hmm. minus 196 in liquid nitrogen. Now we need to reverse that. That's called thawing. So you take it from minus 196 back again to 37. This frozen embryo after thawing is as good as a fresh embryo. And we always insist, we tell patients, patients please ask for photos of your embryos before they were frozen and after they were thawed and after they were thawed that thawed embryo should look as good as a fresh embryo and if it doesn't that means the IVF clinic's not doing a good job I can tell you that and once you have this embryo the doctor needs to put it back inside the uterus so it's much easier much less expensive great pregnancy rates.
1: That's such a great tip Um, but I'm wondering in what circumstances is a procedure like FET generally used? I mean, of course, apart from, you know, uh, people coming back, couples coming back for a second baby, what are the, and also an unsuccessful IVF uh, procedure, what are the other circumstances in which FET is used?
0: I think, in fact, in some clinics in other parts of the world, they've stopped doing fresh embryo transfers. Partly because they believe that success rates in fresh embryo transfers are low because of the high rates of hormones because of super ovulation, perhaps the endometrium is not optimally receptive so that even if the embryo is top quality, that fresh embryo may not implant as well. Whereas when we do a frozen transfer, we only need to focus on optimizing endometrial receptivity and growing the endometrium. We don't need to worry about super ovulation or growing the eggs as a result of which they believe implantation rates are better. So some Mm -hmm. clinics will routinely do freeze all cycles and only transfer frozen embryos. But Obviously, once you've frozen embryos, you've created effectively what we call an embryo bank, Mm. just like a blood bank will freeze blood. But blood has a limited shelf life because you're not freezing in liquid nitrogen. Mm. Embryos don't have a limited shelf life. So you can use these embryos for multiple other procedures. You can donate them to other patients. You can Mm. use them for surrogacy. Lots of additional options.
1: Interesting. Uh, Which is what my next question is all about actually. I really want to know that, you know, just in case a couple does end up having more than, uh, you know, one child and their family unit seems to be complete. If they want to donate the rest of the embryos to other couple, can they do it? If yes, then how? In case they want to donate it to a couple that's known to them also, how do they do it? I mean, if you could just tell us about no, it. Think, I
0: think these are great questions. So let's suppose you have what we call spare embryos or supernumerary embryos, which you decide you don't want to transfer yourself. Hmm. There are three things you can do with them. One hmm. is you can destroy them. What does that mean? Which means you tell the doctor, I don't want this. You thaw these embryos and throw them away, which is obviously heartbreaking both for the parent and for the doctor. But, you know, I mean, ultimately, it's the parent's choice. Hmm. The second is you can use these embryos for research purposes. Hmm. And I think that's something which... IVF clinics perhaps don't do, but a lot of research clinics which have large, for example, in academic centers, they will do that. So you can do lots of things like embryonic stem cell research because anyway, these are spare embryos which are being wasted. So why not put them to good use? And the third is you can donate these embryos. That right. procedure is called embryo adoption. And actually, it's exactly like adopting a baby. Mm -hmm. it's much better in some senses because the woman carries the baby for 9 months she experiences the pregnancy she bonds far better you don't have to wait list on adoption wait lists. you don't have Mm -hmm. to tell the rest of the world 50 people aren't going to ask you different questions you adopt Kia? and on the Mm -hmm. baby's birth certificate it's going to be the parent's name name. so it's definitely one of the options and the beauty about embryo adoption as compared to regular adoption is that regular adoption has waiting lists of 3 to 4 years now in this country that's true Uh, With embryo adoption, you know, there's no waiting list at all. So psychologically, if couples are prepared, I think it's a great choice. Having said this, embryo adoption, just like adoption in the rest of the country, is a closed adoption. Which means no one knows where the embryos are coming from and no one knows where the embryos are going to. So therefore, you would not be able to donate your embryos to someone you know. Partly because it sounds like a very tempting thing. But one Mm. of the concerns is, you know, five years or 10 years or 20 years down the road, there's a a legal battle or this child comes into an inheritance and comes, you know, then that creates all kinds of problems. So we tell people, you know, once you're donating, like the best donations are anonymous and confidential. This is exactly like that donation.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I didn't even think about it like, you know, in the same manner, because I mean, this is something that generally happens. I mean, this is something that you know of regular adoptions, but I had no clue that embryo adoptions are exactly similar. I mean, and not exactly the same thing, but of course, similar in procedure, at least legally. That's really cool. Uh, In
0: fact, like I said before, in some senses, a lot better because Mm -hmm. you don't need to get an adoption cert. You don't have to worry about going to school with a certificate. So many things. So I think think there are pros and cons with everything. I'm not saying there aren't. Mm -hmm. But I think this is one of the options. And we always tell patients, explore all your options. The more the options you explore, the better your chances of making the right decision for yourself. And that's something which every parent needs to decide for themselves.
1: Right. Now, My next question and the last question is a little more uh, to do with you know emotional attachment even spiritual leanings uh, for that matter of fact for a particular couple Um, and you know uh, the the choices the uh, level of attachment spiritual leanings could be very different for each couple but are they legally allowed to perform the last rites of any remaining embryos and if so how do they go about retrieving the embryos from the facility is it allowed I mean, you know, it's a very sensitive question. Well, I think but... it's a, I
0: think it's a great question. I'm really glad that you're being so empathetic about asking it. Mm-hmm. You know, from a doctor's point of view, we think of embryos as ball of cells, literally. 8 Ooh. cells, 20 cells, 100 cells. You put this ball of cells inside the uterus, it may or may not become a baby. So in that sense, I mean, I don't say we're heartless, but we're a little bit scientifically detached and, you know, that extent. Some of the problems are patients actually start thinking of their embryos as babies. Mm -hmm. And in fact, on lots of bulletin boards, they call them MBs. But -hmm. the reality is an embryo is not a baby. And unless this embryo is, most embryos won't become babies. Human reproduction is not efficient. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a Hindi film. That's the reality. So the reality is most embryos don't become babies. So patients need to understand that. Mm-hmm. That I understand that sense of ownership, but that embryo is still not yeah. a baby, it's still a ball of cells. And I would definitely respect any patient's preferences. So if right. a patient said, this is what we want to do, but they need to be realistic. They need to understand that they can't see the embryo. The only way they could see the embryo would be under a microscope, which they may or may not be able to do. Mm-hmm. And after you thaw an embryo, basically what are you doing? You're taking it out from liquid nitrogen and taking it out to room temperature. That's it. That's the last right. Uh, there's really nothing else but if there is something which they wanted to do you know we'd encourage them I completely get what you're saying and if that's what yeah. they wanted to get peace of mind there's absolutely no reason why an IVF clinic would refuse to do that for them after all that embryo is their property so there's no problem with cool. that. At all.
1: Cool I mean I, I've always felt a little conflicted about uh, when I've put myself in you know maybe a couple's shoo, I feel a little conflicted. Even when you said ki anda and swam, I was like, this is like, this is, you know, but like you said, a sense of ownership. So I'm really, really glad uh, that uh, th- there are different IVF clinics that actually, um, you know, understand and empathize with different kinds of couples. But yes, of course, if they can bring themselves to, uh, you know, uh, understand that this these embryos would be better donated or better used for research uh, then of course that that would be for there for the greater good so but but you know I'm, I'm just happy that at least there is respect for you know that kind of emotional attachment and, and it's
0: and honestly it's a very personal choice let's be honest all of IVF is a very personal choice right. there are no right answers so whenever we counsel patients we always tell them there are always non-medical options hmm. you can choose to remain child free Child-free is not the same as childless. You're making Hmm. a deliberate choice. Or you can choose to adopt. Or you can explore medical options. But own that decision for yourself. So you have peace of mind. You've done the right decision. And I always tell infertile couples, be selfish. If you make that decision so that you're happy with your decision, you'll be happy and you'll be able to keep other people happy. If you're not happy and you make the decision to keep your mother-in-law happy or your mother happy or your husband happy, you're going to make everyone's life miserable. It's just not worth it
1: that's so nicely put dr malvani i mean i completely completely agree with you we if pregnancy and parenthood are choices we make for life then we need to be very sure that these are selfish choices that these are choices that we want to do for ourselves Perfect. and if you're at any given point of time not a complete 100% yes on it then let's not uh, so but this is let me let me course, continue with that no but i will i
0: will tell you why I always tell people, you have a choice, your poor kid doesn't have a choice so suppose you get arm twisted into doing something and then you resent that kid that's so unfair on that kid so therefore please understand you know one thing I'll tell you Hmm. patients who agonize over these decisions who think over them not sure come back after three months six months they're the ones who end up making the best parents Mm -hmm. because they've thought about it and then decided yes this is right for me as compared to the ones you know chat Mangni, read about this I want to do this
1: yeah mother
0: in-law said those are the ones I always worry about so I said please Take a cooling off period. You know, I'm not going to run off anywhere. This option is always going to be open. Right. Think about it and then decide.
1: So, to all the anxious couples out there, uh, at least according to Dr. Malpani and this episode, and myself too, um, you are absolutely on the right track, guys. I mean, think about it. Think about it a lot, and absolutely go ahead with it once you're, you know, sure. And. Uh, If your IVF clinic gives you the right kind of consultation, if they are empathetic to you, if they listen to all of your choices, options, whatever you want to do throughout the procedure, if they understand your feelings or even have the courtesy to ask you how you are feeling on a daily basis. If they
0: don't ask you, you should worry. That's a red flag.
1: There's no shortage
0: of IVF clinics in this country and no patient ever needs to put up with any kind of attitude or arrogance and oh, yeah. I tell patients if an IVF doctor ever tells you go to Dr. Google and do your search for yourself or who do you think you are or I'm a doctor with all my experience hmm. honestly I think that's a disrespectful doctor and if a doctor doesn't respect you he's not hmm. going to provide you with good quality care. I tell patients if my pregnancy rate was 100% I wouldn't bother to talk to you. I would say Pesa de de bacha leke ja tu bhi khush, bhi khush. <laughs> nothing in the world is like that and right. that's why patients need to be actively involved rather than burn their fingers and then kick themselves because, for bad, my doctor Gali did to kiss go five.
1: exactly? I mean, for that matter of fact, whether they deserve it or not, yoga. uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Malvani. This was a great conversation. Jo. I had a lovely time. In fact, thank you so much. I would Definitely. I've never been personal on this uh, podcast, but I must say that I am a woman over 35 years of age now. And uh, of course, at some point of time, if I ever get married and I want to have kids, I'm Sure to use this. At least consider IVF. So thank you but so much. You
0: don't necessarily need to be married to have a kid. Come on, Bitti, you should be a little more open-minded than that in this day and age.
1: I need a little more support. शादी सिर्फ चाहिए सपोर्ट के लिए, not financial.
0: अरे यार कभी मेरी बीबी से मेरी बीबी से बात करेगी तो बोलेगी हसबेंड्स वो कोई सपोर्ट देते नहीं हैं और उल्टा सुल्टा सर के ऊपर चढ़ते हैं. वो better off being a single mom. No, sorry, kidding.
1: That is baat, true. That is true. But I'm, I'm sure to consider this. Thank you so much for your time. That's it for this episode. We'll be back with another one super soon. Until then, chin up yar. And sawal ho to reach out to us at HT Health Shots. For updates on this podcast, follow us at HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Clubhouse, and LinkedIn. To listen to more such podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com or suno nainazariya se.